You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 33. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well then, hello, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be back with you again. It is good to be back with uh, with all our listeners and back doing another podcast. Yeah, we've taken a bit of a break and we've come back with a vengeance or something like that. <laughs> something like that. What are we doing today, Chris? Well, I want to introduce uh, my dad, Pastor Clive Field, to our audience. They've heard him before, uh, one of our very early podcasts, where he mm. talked a bit about his own personal journey, which was very challenging. But I've got him on the, the, with us today because his experience over the years, 86 years old, as a, a dad of five boys and then a granddad, I want to just pick his brain a bit about what he's observed. He's seen a lot of good families, seen some dysfunctional families over the years. What he's observed that might be important for our listeners to hear in relation to uh, fathering. So, Pastor Clive, welcome to the program. Welcome. Thank you. Now... Five sons of your own. Did you actually expect to have a large family? No, I didn't. Did not expect to have a large family. I wasn't sure I'd get a family at all. So you you were from three yourself and two younger sisters. Yes. Yes, that's true. So what did you bring out of your childhood in regard to being a parent? Your dad wasn't a particularly good example. Well, the thing the thing that I lack very much in my childhood which I've tried to correct with my own boys, was communication. Your dad didn't communicate well with you? Very little. He, he, his life was a very narrow life, and uh, we never really entered into it because he would say, spoke from the point of view of uh, the men that worked around him. Everything, everything in the house was spoken of in the context of what the men at work said, and that was a very limited, narrow structure and as a young fellow I, I resented that very much because um, the only communication I had with my father was to tell me something I should do because the men at work said such and such mm. but the other side of your situation though is with the two younger sisters you were basically not only big brother you you, you almost replaced the father role in their lives to some degree v- very much so very much so and did you feel that at the time no, I, I guess it was, it sort of happened. When you look back on it, I can't say at the time, I, I don't think, I, I didn't even resent it. I guess, I guess I cared for the fact that my, my dad could not show any interest or affection to his daughters, as he could not with me. So, so in those early years, in your role as a, a, an unofficial dad to your younger sisters, what do you think it was that you did for them that was particularly valuable? You talk about taking an interest in them. Yeah, well, I think that's probably the main thing. I've, I've uh, my older sister, which is still nine years younger than me. We we have a, an incredible relationship. The other, by the time I left home, the other sister was still a, only a very small girl. So her her life was mine. Were not so much intertwined with mine, where the older one was, and and. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess she looked at me. I, I guess, as, as a young fellow, I, without realising, I probably spoke into her life very much. And subsequently, all these years later, we have a very close relationship. 
Now, Guy, we've talked before about how that fathers just paying attention to their kids can be really important. Here's Clive saying mm. his dad just didn't do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a pretty common it's a pretty common thing for um, your particular generation, and sadly, it's not a it's not a problem that's getting any better in a lot of ways. Uh, what a what a wonderful thing that it was though that that your your younger sisters had you to to uh, show them what a um, and I guess and a, someone who could watch over them and care for them and show them some example of what a uh, a, a good man was like. I know you you talked about in your previous podcast you didn't, you weren't without your issues and obviously when you have a you don't have a dad around there are some very serious things but. Um, so through these situations, it's good to look at those silver linings and see what are the blessings, what are the what are the encouragements that come out of even in the in the dark and difficult situations that we're in. So, what would you have wanted your dad to do differently? Communicate, meaning uh, speak to us, uh, speak to us at, at at a personal level to be able to give something of himself when he spoke to us. I mean, we can talk to people and then still stay aloof. And mm. as, as, a, as a young person, I, I wanted my dad, I, I, I so much wanted my bad dad to uh, give me some, show some indication of, of, of uh, what would you say, I guess love in a, in a sense, but as much as anything, that to be able to speak to me as though I was an important person rather than I was, I was you. You know, and uh, I guess uh, thinking as a, as a young person, yes, very much. I, you want one of my dad's attention, but in, in getting that attention, I, I wanted him to, to as it were, I wanted to be able to feel from him that that there was a I had a, a relationship rather than a, a, a physical rela- uh, what is it, an emotional relationship rather than just a verbal one. So I guess the warning there is for dads who treat their family as if they're like a football squad and they talk to them all in that sort of impersonal way. You're talking about really wanting your dad to connect with you very personally. Yes, yes, yes. Now, when I, I was pastoring a church in Yamba, we uh, had a, a chap got saved coming to the church and uh, he was very much, he, he wanted to run a men's meeting. So I remember, very, this stands out very much in, in my memory. I said, right, oh, Dave, you, you organise it. And so he organised this men's meeting and uh, we sat around, what are we going to talk about? And I, and it was one, uh, my first question to the group was, how did you relate to your fathers? Well, before that night was over, we had angry men, we had men shouting, we had men laying on the floor crying an incredible situation all kinds of emotions were being shown and I sat there stunned because I'm I, 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 in myself I understood my my childhood but here's these men younger men than me but still going through the same complaints and that their fathers never talked to them or their fathers never treated them all right or, or a lot of cases the, the father was just never there and here's these angry men it just it was it was a real eye-opener to realise that what I'd experienced back in my generation, because I'm much older than these fellas, and they, in, in, in their generation, had experienced that same mm. breakdown. And probably mm. you make the assumption, oh, well, I got a bad deal, everyone else is getting a good deal, and here you're discovering that that's far more common to get a bad deal. Very much so. And 
Yeah, and 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 sort of out of that, it was an ongoing thing where the the butte part of it was that some of these men started to closer relate to each other. You know, from there on there was there was sort of a it came out of a a, a, a very delightful thing where he had to had one man that was an alcoholic problem. We didn't realise that, and so that. And, and, and that came out of his childhood. It was, or should he, should we, he could point it back to his, to his early years, youth years. And uh, so the, the men made a point then of sort of gathering around him and they even set up a, a phone line to, to, that one of them would ring him every night and find out how he's traveling. And so uh, incredible things came out of it, which I had not pre-planned, but it was came out of this fact that when we asked that question, how did you get on with your fathers, one by one, we had explosions going off, you know. Hmm. I think yeah. that's interesting too because it points to the fact that men don't want to be uh, lone rangers and hmm. heroes as much as they really need to actually feel connected. I think we have this idea that the ultimate man doesn't need anyone else. Hmm. But in our heart, that's not, that's not the way we want to operate. Hmm. It's not the way we're made. Yeah, look, remember we had that podcast with Darren Lewis and he talked about his father wound and how he suppressed it for many, many years. He would feel it, the emotion coming up and he would, you know, he would just suck it down. He wasn't really aware of it until somebody pointed it out and he said, did you just see what you just did then? And he, and he eventually became aware of the fact he was just suppressing this emotion and keeping, keeping a lid on it. Is, is that sort of what you found, Clive, and the men that you, we're talking about before what they had been doing all those years, just yeah. suppressing that emotion. Well, when this happened in yeah, that, in my own life, yes. And when this happened uh, in in the group at Yamba, I, some of those men I'd known for a while, and it was a surprise because obviously they had on the outward they they give, gave off the impression that everything is fine. Mm. But to, and of course after that day they couldn't hide any longer. And, but uh, yeah. And so, so it, I, they, they obviously, this, what I, I experienced, I mean, I never, I never run around and told anyone, my father, this, that, 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 that. You, you didn't talk about it. It was just, okay, that was your lot, you know. Mm. And so I guess that's how most men have reacted. Just, Those are the cards you dealt, just yeah. play the hand you got. Yeah. So as you've seen, with that kind of background, as you went out then and saw other men, um, you saw them in, in missionary training, you saw them through your ministry, um, did you actually look at certain minutes from time to time and say, now that's a good father? Or, or were you not so consciously ticking that off in your head? No, I, I guess I wasn't so conscious in ticking that off. But uh, as, as a, over the years pastoring, families would come in the church and every now and then you'd say, boy, that, that he's a great dad. You could just see something. You'd see the way the kids related, you know. And if it was some, some dads that... Dad was sitting and the kids would sit there, you know, and then, and it was obvious that there was certain stress in them. Other times you see Dad sit down, the kids up and they're rubbing up against Dad and he's got his arm around him and you, and you realise this is a good, healthy relationship. So you're back really on that relating issue. That to you is one of the real litmus tests of whether the dad's doing a good job. Yeah. The closeness between father and son or father and daughter. Yeah, so that, I, I think that's very obvious that, uh, and I, I see it, see it in my grandson, see it in, in, in your son, 
Matthew and I, I just see how the children come and sit next to Dad and they, they push up against Dad and he's got his arm around and and it's a lovely, healthy relationship. Those kids are going to spend, as they grow, they're going to be able to talk to their dad because he's, talk, he's already talking to them. My dad never talked to me. I don't remember him ever sitting down and talking to me. If he, if, if the, the times when he wasn't directing my life because of what the men at work said, he, he was... He was having, uh, giving me some kind of uh, instruction, or, or should I say, put down, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, yes, uh, I, as I say, you, the years I was pastoring, I, I'd, I'd pastor for years before I even thought about men's situations, you know, and it wasn't until we did, to, took over this church in Yamber and this situation arose, my heart, I suddenly realised I made me start to look and realise how many men out there, how many the, the, the silent, you know, they say, say, oh, he's the silent type. And and uh, you could say, well, if that person's, he's the real silent type, he's silent because he's got a, you know, a, a book, a woman wrote a book, a bit of a book about the empty room and said that we have an empty room in our head where we hide away in that room, you know. And all these things we have, we hide them in that room. Mm. And there's so many men walking around that empty room where they hide all this stuff in that room, you know. It's that, and, they, and so the front, uh, the, what they present to you, somewhere along the line that door's got to open. And they take that, st- take that stuff out of the room and look at it. And in this case, when I said, how'd you get on with your father's, some rooms opened, you know. Mm. And suddenly... Okay, so let's come back to a practice. <coughs> Let's come back to a practical question here, which would be, you can show a dad maybe that he's broken or wounded or hurting and that he should have a better relationship with his children. But that doesn't solve the problem. Uh, Maybe an example. I remember going to a church in California uh, where an Aussie friend of mine had gone over and was pastoring and I visited there. There was a a lovely meeting one night and, and I went there with my five sons at the time and one of the men confronted me in the church after the service, came up to me and saw that I had a bunch of boys and said, do you hug your kids? And I thought, well, mind your own business. <laughs> My reaction wasn't, I didn't feel edified. I just felt he was sort of, he said, I've only learned in the last year, you've got to hug your kids. You know, do you hug your boys? Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, get out of my face. You know, I, I didn't invite you to come and confront hmm. me like this. Hmm. Um he, and he was saying, you know, you've got to hug your boys every day. You've got to, give, you've mm. got to hug your boys. And don't, don't be afraid because you're a dad. You can't hug your boys. And he gave me this lecture. Right? Uh, and I didn't, in my mind, I was probably pretty sure that he was right. Mm. But the relationship I had with my boys was the product of my own upbringing mm. and the Australian culture in which I'd grown up and the baggage that we built up between us. And I didn't care what that guy said and how many times he said it. I couldn't just change all that because of someone giving me a little a little lecture uh, at the end of a meeting. And so I realised that we can even see our problems. It doesn't guarantee that we can do anything about mm. them yet. So I'm coming back now to a more practical sort of question. Um, what would you be saying to a dad who was struggling to relate to his kids? How, how would you help them do it better? It's a good question. I think, I think the ability to be able to touch your kids, pat them on the shelf... I, I don't know. We, this is we got a father and son thing going here because I'm, I'm I'm thinking how did how did you see how did you think I related to you? 
like you said about hugs. Now, to me, I always hugged you boys. It's like, you know, maybe maybe I didn't hug you enough, you know. But it seems to me that there's physical contact where the, the dad comes along and he just scratches the kids the back of his neck as he goes past something or pats him on the back and there's just that physical mm. thing that says, hey, you know, I'm I'm touching you because... Or in other words, it's saying, I like you. And saying, I notice you. Yeah, I notice you. And, I, and so, so often we, yeah, I, I, I like you. You just sort of... There's that kind of... Uh, that kind of thing is a non-verbal, uh, non-verbal communication. Yeah. So I guess then if I could extrapolate from that, maybe for dads that are struggling is at least take the first step, try, try something to reach out and, and make some better connection. Yes. Yeah, there's, and I mean, even just finding something that they're interested in. One of the issues nowadays you'll find is so many kids and they're off doing things when they're, the generation gap, we can't relate to what our, our kids are wanting to do. Yeah. And um, so I, I would just encourage dads to just find something, anything that your kids are interested in doing and just ask if you can do it with them and uh, and plan something with them. I, I coached, a, I coached a, a lady recently and her son, a grown-up son, is uh, about 20, I think, he, or maybe 19, he was heading off to the Marines. So he's going to be in the Marines, he's finished college, will be in the Marines in June. And she was wanting ideas for how she could improve the relationship and spend some time together before he went off to, off to the Marines. And it, it came up in the conversation that, uh, that he, he liked guns. He was, he did a bit of shooting and, uh, she wasn't into it at all, but she, she decided, okay, she was going to accept one of his, his invites that he'd, he'd done a while back, it hadn't been for a little while, but, reignite that conversation about guns and go off and do some shooting with them and uh and that and that began to, to change everything she was she emailed emailed back and and you know she was in tears because it just meant so much to her that her son was they went off and did that together and then they had thanksgiving together and he even offered to come and clean up the house after the thanksgiving which he'd never done before mm-hmm. and so just little things like that of just stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something that your kids are interested in. It might not be anything that you like at all, mm-hmm. but uh, just stepping out and doing that with your kids can just just really send a powerful message yeah. to your kid that, hey, yeah. and even if it, if it, the more it is outside of your comfort zone and the more it is something you don't like to do, then the more of a message it actually sends yeah. to your daughter or to your son. Yes, it, it seems to me as I, I, I sort of as we're having this discussion, I'm thinking back over the years. I can think of instances where the kids would have rather their dad to come and do something with them than buy them something. Hmm. And it, it, I think there's been a tendency over the years if dads don't want to get involved or they they, they get lost in their own thing, they'll they'll go and spend money on the kid hmm. and say, "Well, I'm showing my affection by buying you something." And yet, I, I'm, I'm sure, had, my dad didn't have money, of course, but I'm, I'm sure it, no matter what he bought me, would never compensate for the fact that we didn't have a real close relationship. Yeah. So, and now we're finding, when we look at the stats, I've looked at a lot of the, I've done a lot of study of the, the suicide stats, and you'd think that with, um, with male suicide, it would be related to, to poor, to the poor and disadvantaged, but it's actually a wealthy middle class problem more than it is any other demographic. Mm. And so, 
you know, money is not a substitute for these things that we need at a deep, at a deep emotional level. Never, never. Yeah. I, 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 in my generation, where I came from, I come, we, we come from the poor side of the track, so, so I'm, I'm not crying poor, but I'm just saying we, we came from that. The time you lived there, and that's the way you lived, and in later years you look back on it and realise it probably how desperate it might look in other people's eyes, but you worked your way through that. And, and, and in that, I know if my father had committed some money or anything, it, it might have changed our ch- circumstances financially, but it would never have, it would never have changed that, 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 that our relationship, because he would have still been the same man with the same outlook on life and, and still not making that approach. My, my two sisters, you know, I, I, that both of them married very young, and uh, that was because there was never any relationship with him, my mm. father. And and uh, the younger of the two sisters said to me in latter years, she said, you were never there for me because she was still a little girl when I left home. Mm. Matter of fact, my, my history is that they come to a point with my father after I'd been going for work for a while, he said, if you don't, one of the few times we had a communication and there was a clash and he, he said, if you don't like the things they are, get out. Now, he didn't mean that, but I got out. Hmm. And, and, of course, at that point, I, I, I basically lost communication with my sisters. So the younger sister said to me, in recent years, she said, you weren't there for me. And so well, we take that round the circle. I mean, the thing was that when I got out and, and got away from my father, it was like the sun shone brighter, you know, just in the outer world, getting away from his influence and that, because... It wasn't because he was a bad man in that sense, but just that that lack of communication, that inability to be able to sit down and talk about something that we might have both got some pleasure out of talking. I couldn't... It was never in that opportunity. So I, I, I think I feel for kids that, that in my generation that probably others went through the same because the parents... It was a hard... I mean, I, I was born in the Depression, so... You know, and, and things were hard, but uh, and uh, and because of that, I guess mentally, as I got older, I accepted that was probably the result of the the the, the hardness of times. But in my latter years, as I, I grew older and matured, and then you know, eventually end up in ministry, and I realised then this is something that's not a generational thing. It doesn't have to do with the poor man. It doesn't have to to do with. It's a relationship, as you say. It's uh, even a middle class, a middle kind of class, problem. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I guess the issue then, if we could maybe try and flesh it out a little bit more effectively for people, when we say relationship, it's really you connecting with the other person in a meaningful way. Yes, it's not just that they came and said yeah. ten words to you, but but it's reaching an understanding. Mm. You may not necessarily agree, but yeah. it's reaching an understanding. Yes. You know, the scriptures tell us to seek yeah. understanding. The hub of that, of course, is what you've already talked about, yeah. is communication. You, know, yeah. you can't get to an understanding with one another unless you're communicating yeah. in some form. Yeah. And so I guess the question is, well, you know, for someone who has not had a good example of communication mm. in their own life from their own yeah. father, uh, feels that they're just the strong, silent type, just does not, has not been born with good communication mm. skills, Chris, you're an expert communicator. You've been on TV and radio. How, how, how can, how can the average Joe build up quickly some, just some basic communication skills for, 
communicating better with um, with their with their kids. I think maybe their wife. One of the issues that we've hinted at just a moment ago that's really pivotal in all of this is that trite communication, um, giving people a lecture about what life was like when you were young, um, how we we milk came differently, or that you know whatever, just details, information. The Monty Python sketch of the. Uh, Oh, and my dear, that's luxury, that is. We used to live in a cardboard box and be grateful for it. <laughs> so that whole idea yeah. that you're just passing on information is not the same as relating. Yeah. And, and I think, so no matter how professionally you, you, you pass on your information, that's not really what it needs to be. It needs to be the honest, real communication. You know, sometimes real communication might be you go and, and you sit down with a kid and you say, son, I don't understand you. And I'm sorry about that. I don't want to not understand you. Uh, because that in itself is you really reaching out. There's something real about that. Mm-hmm. Or to say, son, I've got no idea. I, I don't know why you want that career path. I can't understand in the world. Or daughter, I don't know why you're making these choices. They just don't make any sense to me. But I really care about you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I wish I could understand. Even that, that mm-hmm. admission of inability, yeah. it, because it's real, is real. And, and there's a little bit of humility there. That's one of the keys, isn't it? To yeah, come with real. a little bit of humility, swallow your pride, yeah. and just say, hey, look, I'm not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. Your yeah. kids, no, not surprised to your kids. They, yeah. they already know it. But it means so much if you admit yeah. it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so I think the most, the closest relationships we have with people are people actually whom we can be real. Yeah. And, and I think if you want to have a close relationship with our kids, then Start by being real. Mm. And obviously you don't want to say something horrible, you know, to the child. Mm. I'd like to be closer to you, but you remind me too much of my brother, you know, or whatever. You know, that, that's not helpful. But in, in terms of just being able to say, hey, I, I really do want a good relationship with you and I'm sorry that I don't understand you better than I do and and I, I'm sorry that I'm touchy about certain things. I don't want to be this way. Even that, there's a, a level of reality mm. and the person can respect that. Mm. Because you're being on instead of oh well yeah. this pretense facade, yeah. people could, they just realise if you can't be real with me, then you don't really want a close yeah. relationship. Yes, yeah. in my humble opinion, yeah. I I uh, because of my age and I guess the, where I've been, I, I'm sitting here thinking of different things. There's a, a part Aboriginal lady that's we've coming to our orbit of recent times and and she come to me just recently and put her arms around me and she said she said be my dad she said I never had a dad like you I I, I wish my wish wish I could uh, have a dad she said but she said oh, will you be my dad you know and there's something in that she's a grown woman that sort of looks they're looking for some kind of you know parental acceptance issues and uh, then uh, just recently the Chris I talked about that couldn't read and write Chris Chris is, uh, he doesn't remember his father and he so says a young man probably in his early 40s yeah early 40s and uh, Chris said to me he said he said you're he said oh, I've got a dad, you're my dad now. And he hung on to me and he's a man, he's early thought, hung on, hugged me, you know. And, uh, said, and he, someone just recently said, Chris being in touch with him, he said, he said, oh, I've got to talk to my dad, you know, kind of thing. So there's, I, there's a, cause in ministry, there's a, other ones over the years that we've had a connection with that's, that, uh, 
my wife and I become mum and dad to them, but uh, separating that, the, the just individual people, that, you know, even though in their getting on in years, still because they never had that dad thing, they never had that communication. Uh, and I, there's about four or five that that when they get when they ring me on the phone, they hi, hi dad, you know, and and uh, it's. It always shocks me when they do because these are older, mature people are still, and because obviously because of, as I say, this part Aboriginal girl, beautiful girl, you know, she said, "I never had a dad." She said, "I've got oh, she's you've been my dad." Pushing fifty, I know the lady you're talking about. So she's not young either. No, and so she hang on to me and hang on, and this, and and you realise how important a dad is, you know, in the life of people. And I, I see a girl the other day, they were interviewing a girl that was raised in a, in a, a lesbian relationship. And she said, well, she said, my, I've got something missing. I never had a dad. It's, it, she was speaking out the, the miss in her life that she never had a dad. Hmm. Now, I mean, that's probably a little bit apart from what we, where we're trying to get, but it just shows how important to most people that dad situation, that dad relationship is. I just pick up something that you've reminded me of. I don't know how many years ago now. I'm going to suggest 25, 30 years ago, there was a man who came to Australia from the United States and he said that he really felt God had challenged him as a mature man to actually hug men and hug people Mm. and that he would um, uh, go to a Christian meeting and he would speak a short message and then invite men to stand and, and men would just weep. Mm. Uh, because it was something just just the physical hug of yeah. of, of someone saying you, yeah. I accept you you're okay yeah. and so while we talk about this relationship issue you talked about just touching someone as you walk past yeah. that, that sense of touch talked about speaking to someone honestly and and a real communication mm. of the real you trying to reach mm. the real person and and even then just a hug to say yeah you're okay I, I appreciate mm. you. And as you say, people coming up to you and saying, would you be a dad? The cry for that kind of fathering mm. is obviously deep in the heart of, of man. I think, that's, I think that's very true, and it's come through so many of the podcasts that we've, we've done. And, um, and so I guess as we move forward into 2018, I think the challenge is to just to think about how we want our relationships mm. with our kids, with our wives, how we want them to be better at the end of 2018. And... And to work back from that, there's no time like the present to uh, to get started. And uh, so, wouldn't it be great if we could get through the end of 2018 and your relationships were just way better with your kids, with maybe with your parents, um, with your with your wife, and uh, that you you got a lot more comfortable with communication, got more got much better understanding you might not necessarily agree with all the things your kids are doing but at least they know that you're trying to understand them and that you love them that'll repay itself at some point in the future and probably over. a final word for those that have got really toxic relationships and there are those mm. where it, they won't even answer your phone call mm. or or they they won't look you in the face or whatever mm. Uh, there's always the, the issue of just going to God and saying God I really do want to connect here can mm. you help me can you show me some way can you open the door somehow so that mm. I can actually re-establish that relationship in some way? Mm. And, and it might take some time. It might yeah. take some time because those wounds run deep, don't they? 
Mm. Well, thank you, Pastor Clive, Dad, thank you. for mm. sharing some of those things. We've just rambled, but I, I hear that you've, you've brought up a number of things that we haven't discussed and that have just come to focus for you, so thank you. All right, yes, it's, uh, it's been great doing another show. Thank you, Clive, for coming back on the, the show again. Don't forget to come back over to the website, www.realmen247.org. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to have you share your story uh, with us. So please get in touch. The website has details about how to do that and we will hope to have you back next time. And looking forward to hearing from you. No, hearing from you, speaking to you. Anyway, next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.